Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. You know, Christy, today I'm, I'm not feeling so happy. Aww. I, I know. I just, I I think we should talk about it. I think maybe we should try to find out why you're so unhappy. I know. I maybe, think that's what our show... Maybe you're with a majority of Americans that I are bet very I am. unhappy. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about slowing down and letting ourselves be happy more often. You know, I had a conversation recently with a friend after after our Vikings Law shows, and she had read an article that Scandinavian countries were the happiest people, and she asked me if I thought that there was any kind of correlation to them still embracing their Viking roots, you know, embracing those Viking laws and, and part of their culture, if that contributed to them being happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so many centuries ago, it still influences, well, their society and our society, as we talk oh, about. Yeah. And all the holiday shows, we uh-huh. talk about how it influences. But I would say from my experience in most of the Scandinavian countries, that they definitely embrace their heritage and they're proud of their history. Their culture is still reflecting, again, a lot of those Viking values, especially the being honest, trustworthy, and having integrity. And I think um, that that's a definite link to their happiness. And if you are interested in hearing more about that, we did have a Viking Law show, so it's definitely available for podcast review if they want to. So So Scandinavian countries are the happiest in the world? Yes, they are, as a matter of fact. And every year, the United Nations, they measure the quality of life for citizens around the world. And the same 10 countries have dominated that top list ever since they started reporting. Well, at least I can see the United Nations are doing something. So. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so what are some of the things that they use to determine happiness? Well, they use a formula measuring the areas of good governance, strong sense of community, respect for fellow citizens, and a general high quality of life. So you can kind of see with that criteria why the USA is never in the top 10. <laughs> so what are the top 10 countries? If you include the Netherlands and Iceland into the Scandinavian countries, all six Nordic countries stay in the top 10 with Denmark topping out the list for 2017. Well, I gotta say, I find that fascinating that they have so much snow. And, have so much are... snow. and they're at a 50 plus percent income tax. Yeah, I mean, um, it, and yeah, they're, which... they're one of the happiest. So yeah. Well, they all have made the list every year. And then we kind of just fill in with four other countries that have kind of, sw- I think that there's only been 13 countries that have occupied the top 10 places since they've actually kept statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just go through them real quick. Okay. Uh, number 10, staying with Scandinavia, Sweden. Nine, uh, heading a little bit further south, is <laughs> Australia. Eight, New Zealand. Seven is the Netherlands. Six is Canada. Now, this has to be because Newfoundland is a province of Canada. Well, what are some of the reasons why they made the top 10, though? I think one thing is that they lead the world, and they're very proud to share this fact, uh, even with strangers, <laughs> is that they have more sex than any other country in the world. Really? <laughs> yes, they have more sex per capita than any other place in the world. Well, I guess nobody can complain about that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think that puts them in uh, number six. So number five, uh, back to Scandinavia, is Finland. Okay. Uh, and this has to be because every house has a sauna. I got to tell you, when you introduced me to the whole sauna thing, it's changed my life. Yep. So, <laughs> um, Number four is Norway. You know, the natural beauty there alone yes. just keep me happy. Yeah. Three is Iceland. Two is Switzerland. Now, they way have to skew in their favor because of chocolate. Probably. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know. I mean, or the hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, and number one, again, is Denmark. Why Denmark? Well, interestingly enough, that they have an abundance of public spaces and public services. Their health care and their education are all free. They have a very, very strong sense of family and community. Uh, but depending upon the year, Norway and Denmark kind of bounce back and forth between one and two, one and four. But 
uh, Denmark and Norway generally always are one of the two of those countries are the number one spot on happiness. Now when you say education, are you talking like any kind of education? Yeah, public education. Public education. Mm -hmm. Now, what about college, I think I believe their universities and everything are free. Really? Same as same as in uh, Newfoundland, your universities are free. Germany, your universities, are free. but many places around the world, your at least your two-year colleges are free. free. Well, I gotta say, if there's the most happiest countries on list, there's got to be the most unhappiest countries. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> so what? So what kind of unhappy countries do we have on our list? Well, besides Cambodia, the rest of the top 10 are all African countries, West Africa topping the list of number one. And I got to say, we were talking about this before the show, and one of the things that I thought was most interesting is I would imagine it would have to be because, you know, food, safety, shelter, this has got to be like survival. And when right. you're just in a survival mode all the time, how can you be happy? Well, you know, if anybody's familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it kind of talks about that, you know, you have to have your basic needs met before you can move up that ladder to self-actualization. So if you don't have your basic food, shelter, safety, yeah, it's really hard. Clean I water. Clean, things yeah, that, yeah, I think it would be really hard. You know, if you just think about it, if you're, you know, sitting in your house or a refugee tent, right, and it's nighttime and you can't sleep because you're going to, you fear a bomb's going to drop something on your head. I mean, literally that they're going to drop a bomb on mm -hmm. your head. You know, I think that's something that we can't obviously can't comprehend here. Right. We go to bed and, you know, maybe we worry about, you know, did we leave the stove on? We don't worry about somebody blowing up our house in the middle of the night. There's going to be too much snow tomorrow for me to go to work or do I have to shovel it out? I mean, these yeah. are our concerns. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so I think that I think that's a good part of it. Because a, a good part of the world is not a safe place. They mm -hmm. didn't, you can't even go to bed at night and, and not worry that your kids are going to be alive tomorrow. Uh, yeah, or like when we went to that uh, refugee simulation mm -hmm. that you you go up there with five kids and they tell you well we only have water for two of your kids because that's what's wrote down here i mean i, I imagine right. that's just yeah then how can you be happy i mean I, I there's know, no way i don't know that you can be and there's uh, millions of people living in refugee camps right now i know I just, oof. well let's jump back over the pond to the u.s you know one of the richest countries in the world there's no argument there you know i would just think that we'd be or should be more grateful for all the stuff that we do have but we lead the world in like depression, sadness. You know, w what's the deal here? Well, the Harris Poll, it comes out every year and it's a survey that they use the, um, their own happiness index. It's a set of questions in the areas of relationships with friends and family, general health and spirituality, general overall happiness, money worries, feelings that if you're left out of politics, which is interesting, hmm. that, that was an, uh, an interesting fact that they're actually keeping track of how you feel about your political structure now. Work frustration, lack of pastimes, those are kind of the most common um, that are in that happiness index that they register. And they do this survey, very large survey every year. But currently in America, our happiness level of people registering that they are happy, what percent do you think of people in America are happy? Personally, I would think it'd be a high number. 33%. Only 33% really? of Americans rate themselves um, through this happiness index of being happy. Huh. Uh, men reported higher levels of happiness than women. Millennials uh, were more likely to be optimistic about their future, which I mm. found that interesting. That is interesting. Uh, I think that they just don't have enough life experience. <laughs> but there you go. 77% uh, of people worry about their finances. I actually okay. thought that was low. I, I got to say, I would have thought like it would have been higher. 90% or yeah. something. But this was interesting. People whose annual income is between $50,000 and $74,999 are happier than people who earn more, $75,000 to $100,000. 
So we've talked about that $75,000 benchmark. Once you reach $75,000 a year, then it it doesn't contribute to your happiness level anymore. Right, because money takes on a whole different form for you. Yeah. Um, People with a college degree were happier than those without. I think just because you have more opportunity, I would think. I would think so, yeah. People in the South are happier than people in the North. I don't have a geographic line on that. People that were 65 or older are the happiest age group of everyone. Uh, because they don't have to go to work. Um, (laughs) Married people were happier than unmarried people. And the fact that if you had children under the age of 18 was was null, right? It was not, it didn't Didn't make a difference. It didn't bear bear any difference at all on your happiness level if you had children at home under 18. Yeah, I thought that really, really interesting. Because I guess it washes out probably, you know, your your troubled teens to your fun (laughs) two-year-old, I guess. I don't know. People who are registered to vote were happier than those that weren't. Interesting. People who live in the suburbs were happier than those in the cities. 62% were frustrated with their careers. 70... I would have thought that would have been higher, too. I thought that would have been higher as well because, yeah, people, there's a lot of people that are in the wrong fit yeah. in, their, in, their, in their work environment. 71% said their spiritual beliefs were a positive guiding force. 86% said that they were felt close to their relatives. This must have been taken in May. Yeah, not? I don't know. 40% said that they rarely engage in hobbies and pastimes. That would definitely link to being unhappy. I, I imagine that would be because they definitely have a hobby or a pastime. 75% said that their voice was not heard in national decisions that affected them. That I would have thought that would have been higher. Yeah. What they found the research there hypothesis were two things one that people were so caught up in texting multitasking jobs commutes that they seem to have less and less time for free time mm-hmm. and that in regard to the unhappiness with their polit- with our political situation either people have become immune to the news or they people are trying to control what they can by turning off cable news and turning back to families and communities in their faith I did found it. a big switch. Yeah, we, we both yeah. watch far less. We, we, we really don't even know. If it doesn't come across my phone on CNN, yep. I can't really tell you what's going on anymore, which I don't know that that's the good news because if we're not educated and we don't know, then we're really not as right. really not any better off than those people who but you, were... But, but you, we but couldn't you can't, stand around right, being we couldn't angry take it all anymore. the time. Yeah. Right. So you had like uh, Allison Schrager. Well, yeah, she was a researcher and conducted a pretty large study and that found that most Western countries that we are worse off today, today as a whole than our parents' generation. Really? You know, yeah, we live longer. We have more leisure time. We have technology, globalization. We can buy more with less. Yet we report higher levels of anxiety and depression than our parents' generation. Does she have some explanation to this? Or? Well, she found that our expectations, how many times we talk about expectations mm-hmm. and assumptions, that causes a lot of our unhappiness, if not most of them. It's no longer enough to just have more, but we have to believe that keeping what we have is sustainable in the future. So really? basically what she's saying is that we are we have so much today, so we have a house, we have a car, we have this, we have that, whatever it is that you have, that you're so afraid of losing it tomorrow that it causes you great unhappiness today. That you can't live with the happiness of having it today because you're afraid you're going to lose it tomorrow. Wow. Because we really saturate ourselves with debt and all those other things. But whatever reason why we could lose it, that's one of the main primary reasons. That has got to be terrible to always live in that fear. But, you know, I I read that and I started thinking about people that I know that are really unhappy. And they do. They sit around and they listen to the news. They sit around and they listen to conspiracy theory things. They sit around and... 
um, focus on, oh my God, well, what if I don't have this to pay for this? Or, you know, they're worried about paying their, they're worried about paying their car insurance three months from now. Right. Well, and I got to tell you, I mean, even for me, you know, when I, when, when we go through even rough times, I mean, that's the first thing I think about is like, oh gosh, man, if I just had a smaller house, if I just had this, yep. then this wouldn't be so hard. And, but I mean, it always seems to work out, but you know what I'm saying? I can see where they get into that that thought it's, process. It becomes that, you know, we talked about mindfulness, right? And living in the moment mm-hmm. that we don't live in the moment because of fear of losing our moment. So yeah. we don't even, we don't acknowledge, we don't live in our moment because of something that is going to happen, potentially going to happen in the future. And I mean, we all do that. Right? Yeah. We all do that to a certain extent, but some people live there. Well, because... And a lot of people live there apparently because that, that was the number one reason. <laughs> um, British neuroscientists argue that happiness requires more than things simply going well. Right, that that's okay. not good enough. If life is going well, that's just that's to our mind, that's not good enough. That people must also get more than they expect. So this was interesting, meaning that having enough or having as much as our parents for us is not enough. Okay. You know, we need to be able to have more than our parents for us to be happy. Well, how do we define more though? Well, I think that's that's very individualistic. But again, we we spend so much time comparing ourselves with other people. Our, our our friend just got a new car or we were on Facebook and they just got a new whatever. And so that the only way that we're really going to be happy is that we, we have one of those things too. Or why we don't have them. Or why we don't have yeah. it Exactly. You know, huh? but it was interesting that, that, yeah, that, that was one of the things that, and that was again, the British neuroscientist said that having enough is not enough anymore. You have to have more. But that's not the American way. Turn on the TV. My goodness. It's all about that you don't have enough. Oh, sure. Whatever it is. You well, you just don't have enough of it. Whatever. Whatever. It does. Whatever it is. Face cream. You're absolutely right. Food. Yeah. You know, you're not anything. Cars. Whatever you want to see in commercial, you 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 need what they're selling. Yeah, because absolutely. whatever you got is not good enough. Risk was another big one, right? Okay. That most American households are, are truly one loss of a job, one bad investment, one paycheck away. From losing everything. That's true. Because yeah. we use debt to buy the house, the car, it, all those things that we finance. Even if there's zero interest or something, we're still acquiring debt. Debt is expensive and debt is very stressful. Now that I could see because you do take it to an extreme. Again, that's I, a fear of losing yeah. tomorrow what you have today Absolutely. because somebody else actually owns it. If you don't own your house, some, you know the bank owns your house. Right. So you're going to lose your house if you can't pay for your house. And we, we've all been there. You know, right. hell, some of us are there still. So, you know, right. I could definitely understand that. So I think we have, a, it's a lot to do with our capitalist society, right? You know, oh, it's definitely. Right. Most I mean, definitely. we love money. Yeah. You know, it's integrated in everything that we do. We grow up, we hear about, you know, go to college, get a great job, make lots of money. You know, you hear people say that so much. <laughs> right. And then they're going to turn around and tell you, well, money doesn't lead to happiness. That, 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 that is that, a that's great your priority point. as a kid, right? You yeah. know, get a good job, do this, do that. Yep. I mean, that's a fantastic point. How many times have you heard that? Grow up, go to college, get a great job, whatever that means, and um, make lots of money. And then if you achieve that, well, money doesn't buy happiness. It's confusing. It's confusing. Especially, as a, can you imagine as a, as a kid, it is confusing. Because the, they're telling you to do this to be happy, but then once you get to there and you're not happy, well, it's because money doesn't buy happiness. So it's Well, and there's never stitching. enough. You know, you get a house, you want a bigger house. You get a car, you want a new car. You get this, you yes. want a bigger, better one. You get a iPhone 7, you then you need an iPhone 8. Yeah. You know, all those different That's things. true. But according to Quentin Fortell, people living in the U.S. are less happy than since before the Great Depression. Princeton University economist Angus Dayton took a look at income 
as well as it relates to happiness, kind of we talked about a little while ago, uh-huh. and concluded that emotional well-being raises with income, but it does not progress any further past $75,000. So you make $75,000 a year, then your happiness level, there is no more... It's a sweet it's, spot. It's, it's a sweet spot, right, yeah, exactly. It, it's the, it's the comfort level yeah. along with your spending expenditures, right? It's That's what... That's what you we're kind basically. Kind of saturate yourself at that level. Now, I okay. guess that would depend geographically too, because if you're living in Indianapolis, seventy-five thousand dollars is a bit different than if you're living, you know, downtown Manhattan. Right, right. Still, I mean, yeah, that's that, be... I guess it's relative. Interesting. That is interesting. Um, Do they give a reason why? Well, they also found that people with high income buy life satisfaction, but they don't buy happiness. Now, give me an so, example of that. Well, you buy comfort, right? When you when you're not worried about paying, paying a, a house payment. That's a that's a stress level, you know. I mean, if I don't have enough money this month and I don't have a house payment, that that's less stress than somebody who has, you know, a house payment, a car payment, credit right. card payment. You know, where what where do I, what do I pay? Money. What do I don't pay? Right. So the more money that you have, it doesn't necessarily buy happiness. It, it buys it buys you satisfaction. It buys you comfort. It buys you less for that piece. For that so, piece, okay. exactly. But that you know, you you hear all the time of people who win the lottery. To, you know, commit suicide because they're so depressed. They right. have more money than they can have. I mean, my goodness, look at Hollywood actors, right? I mean, right. What, what a mess that is. Mm-hmm. The more money that you make, the more stardom that you have, it seems to be the more unhappy you are. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think that happiness is not related to, ex- especially in the extreme, to money. Obviously, well, if you don't, we talked about in West Africa, if you, if you don't have anything, including safety, and you don't even have clean water and you have no money, mm-hmm. um, obviously that's an extreme if you have a tremendous amount of money, like say Hollywood actors, that's going to be another extreme. But the rest, those people in the middle, it doesn't buy any more satisfaction. Well, I think it's interesting because it sounds like to me that happiness is on levels. So, well, they found it. It's interesting that in New York City, which is, um, let me point out, the most unhappy city in the Shocking. U.S. and Lafayette, Louisiana, was actually the happiest city. Never been there, but nope. It's interesting. That it didn't matter in New York City on your happiness level if you had just moved there or if you had lived there your entire life. Your level of unhappiness was the same. Really? Yeah, I find that. That would be interesting because I would think that Um, if you just moved there, you'd be all excited. Well, and and it's funny because, you know, specifically Brooklyn, right? It's one of the fastest growing cities in the country. And yet it is the most unhappy place to live. Go figure. I just, it's, it's, yeah, I that's weird. No, I don't know that they know that they're the most unhappy. According to the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in 10 Americans suffer from some form of depression, which I thought that was low. I did think that that, was, that was low. low. But... Uh, 40 million Americans over the age of 18 have anxiety disorder. Suicide is a leading cause of death for young Americans, especially especially gay youth, but be between the ages of 10 and 24. I mean, really? Kids 10 years older committing suicide? I did, now, I, I didn't that, know that. I did. I, 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 that, I find that, that very depressing. I find that, that very depressing. That and life is so bad in the United States for old. a 10-year-old that you're killing yourself. Um, of all this, in a society that has more wealth, more power, well, more dysfunction now, I guess, uh, than most of the rest of the world combined. Some people's wealth in this country, not even the wealthiest, I mean, but some people, just general wealthy people, mm-hmm. they have more. They have more money than some countries. Right, right. So I mean, yeah, you got. I, what are we doing, people? You got ten-year-olds committing suicide in this country because they're so unhappy. 
Well, and I guess you'd have to find out what the cause of that is. Yeah, maybe but we need to yeah, do a I, show I, on that. That really bothered me. And it's not <laughs> that it's good that any teenagers are doing it. Right. However, well, I will say that when I was a kid, it was still the third leading cause of death for young Americans. Well, I think teen, teenagers are it's tough to be a teenager. Yeah. And so I think it's even tougher today than when we were teenagers. Right, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, that's not it ten. That's yeah. not. I mean, you're ten. I don't know why. I just it. You know, I thought it would have been better. But well, this one I could hardly wait to get to this part of the show. So you found that social media was a contributing fact to people being unhappy. And you got to explain this to me in the audience. So it gives a whole new meaning to keeping up with the Joneses. I found this fascinating. Right, there were two primary reasons in the research, a ton of research from a lot of different places, of why, in fact. Americans were so unhappy. Uh, number one is that we live in a state of um, panic or a state of believing that we have there's a possibility we're going to lose tomorrow what we have today. Right. That's the number one reason. And the second reason was social media, specifically Facebook. But it's interesting. Research indicate that Facebook is causing a ton of people to be unhappy. Because in the past, if your neighbor got a new car, you know, you're kind of envious of it, but you move past it, right? Right. Now, what other people have is on our, you know, is in your face. Well, I guess constantly because they can they can put it on their feed every day if they yeah. want. Yeah, people feel less than by comparing their life with their friends on Facebook. And, and it wasn't just Facebook, but it was Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. Facebook being the most popular. But using social media, we compare our life to edited versions of other people's lives. True. Especially on Instagram, right? On Instagram, if you, if you get on Instagram and you post a picture... Uh, they give you filters to how to make your picture look better before you even post it. You know, you're only seeing what other people want you to see, right? Mm-hmm. You only see you're only seeing their highlight reel. Um, That's true. You're never seeing the what went behind the scenes of that. Even when we're re- reasonably happy with what we have, we become dissatisfied once we compare ourselves to somebody else, right? Who has something that's perceived to be better. Whatever that is. And again, Facebook or social media is just so easy. It's on our phone. It's constant. Right. You don't even have to leave your house to know, you know, that, you know, 100 people went on vacation and you didn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that makes more sense because now you're seeing not just your neighbor or maybe you heard about, you know, a cousin going on vacation. But now you can see hundreds of people went to Disney and you've never gone to Disney. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, this person's new car and this person's wife got them this present and... Yeah, showing the new this, diamond necklace. That. Exactly. Got, so okay, so that does make sense. What we don't have, and since we tend to compare ourselves to other people, uh, it's just a D- way. We got to hundreds do that. of people to compare exactly. ourselves to now, and not just compare because you know if we see the new car uh, of our neighbor, right, and we we're like, oh, you know that seems pretty in the picture, but it that's ugly. I wouldn't even want it. Mm-hmm. But again, all we're seeing are the highlight reels of well, other people. And then you're also seeing 20 people having new cars. Right, exactly. 30 people. Okay, yeah. so that I, totally makes sense to me now because now you're just, it's, it's a reel going over and over about hundreds of people doing better in their lives than you are. Right. Got right. it. That would yeah. make sense. Again, I could see that. You know, the University of Michigan uh, did a pretty large study, and they found that the more time you spent on Facebook, the worse that you felt. But it's interesting that if you felt bad, these people did not go to Facebook. So they were aware that Facebook made them feel worse when they were bad, but most people aren't aware that they're more depressed once they get off Facebook than they got on. I found that fascinating. <laughs> so I started paying attention to me getting on Facebook, and I actually get on Facebook less now, I think, since I started reading this stuff. But So people get that they feel bad, and they don't want to feel worse, 
but they don't they don't really they feel worse being on it um you know i'm, I'm not sure you know again i'm not sure i agree with this 100 percent. but it was a pretty big study uh primarily of millennials but yeah anyway so to well, reiterate I mean, I that point that, that they, people feel worse when they get off facebook more unhappy when they get off Facebook than before they got on. Okay, but let's look at that for instance. If you were, if you just graduated from college, you know, and you're and you're pounding the pavement for a job, and thirty of your frat buddies and or fraternity uh, people got jobs, nice jobs, and they're posting them on Facebook. How can that not make you depressed? Exactly. So, exactly. Okay. You know, but living is not done on your phone, right? No. Or in front of your computer, or any of those iPads or whatever, you need to get out in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, but find, you know, find, you know, find those people to interact with. Well, especially that if you got like a, if you got fraternity buddies, right. go interact with them, network with them. I mean, you know, they well, might be able to help you out with that. But some people find it easier to interact with pe- people virtually, right? I think we see that as a huge trend that video games and interacting with people all over the world rather than going out and um, just playing tag like we did, right? Right. Yeah. Especially those people that have issues, uh, you know, or can't for whatever reason interact with other people. Okay. Uh, it's and much, I think that that's easier. a growing population too. Oh, I too. think it is. I think that yeah, that anxiety disorders and different mm-hmm. things, and it's easy. And, and you can send whatever you want out to, right? Just like uh, online dating. Uh, neither one of right. us have ever done that, but uh, it didn't from, even exist from what we hear, right? <laughs> well, that's why you've been married twenty years. But from what we hear, you know, uh, from other people that do it, it's that's a nightmare because mm-hmm. what you're putting on there is not accurate, right? You're, I mean, you you're meeting their you're meeting their resume, <laughs> right? They're big representative. But I think one thing with social media too is that it's it is a way to stay connected with those family and friends that you want some connection with. But you don't but you really know. want to be connected. I was going to say you don't want right? to be with Real, them, um, but you just you don't mind yeah. hanging out with them on Facebook, shooting a chat to them every there you once go. in a while. So I think that I think uh, I think that's a piece. I, yeah. I didn't see a lot of research on that, but I think that's a way to stay connected without being connected. It makes sense. Uh, the University of Missouri they found that surveillance without interaction leads to depression. The surveillance of others leads to envy, and that envy leads to severe depression. This is addressing those people that follow on social media, the people who get on all the mm-hmm. time, but they never like or comment anything. Those kind of cyber stalkers people. And there's a big percentage of those people that you know they get on because they mention something. Oh, I saw your whatever. But you don't. You, they never post anything. They never like anything. They never comment on anything. Um, they have found that those individuals, if you're one of those individuals, uh, you have a very good chance of being severely depressed in this statistic with using Facebook specifically because of the surveillance without interaction. Okay, because that would make that to me that makes even more yeah. sense because let's think about that. You you're watching a feed of all these people doing these great and wonderful things and you're not interacting with them. You're not saying, "Hey, that's great," or vice versa. They they're asking you about how you're doing. You're just watching this over and over and over. Oh, yeah. Right, and they found no, that I, that is becoming a, a huge problem. The I people that, that do interact and post and repost, that they actually have less depression issues than those that uh, don't or do little. Yeah, because now you're becoming antisocial along with it. Wow. Right, on a social network. On a social network, yeah. yeah. Good point. Another area of research was in medication and technology, which is another area, the two areas that are causing our, some of our unhappiness. Mm-hmm. 
And the medication aspect is that, and not that this is new news, whether it be legal or, or illegal, that we are way over-medicated in this country. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, according to the CDC, antidepressants are up 400% over the last 10 years. Now, let me asterisk that, that there are people who need antidepressants chemically. Sure. But there is a lot of research out there that people are taking antidepressants to not feel rather than to be able to feel, which is the point, right. not to not feel. Chemically, we just want to neutralize our feelings. Well, are they illegal or, you know, with some illegal drugs um, that people are self-medicating themselves, again, to not feel rather than mm-hmm. uh, to be able to function, they're not able to function. Uh, illegal drug use has been on the rise here since 2013 according to the CDC, of more than 10% of the American population has used an illegal drug in the last month. Now, I thought that number was a little low, um, but... Yeah, well, I, I, I You know, I don't know. I've never been... I don't know. I've never been in that scene of anybody who leave, used illegal drugs. Really, right. So. Well, maybe but that's why it's only 10%. Maybe, I guess. <laughs> uh, but apparently 10% is high, so... The World Health Organization's survey of legal versus illegal drug use in 17 countries, which included the Netherlands um, and other countries with that are very less stringent on drug, drug laws. Like you can, in Copenhagen, I guess, you can buy it from like kiosks on the street. I was going to say, yeah, there's a, um, a lot of countries. It shows that Americans report the highest level of cocaine and mar- marijuana use of even the countries that it's, that it's legal to go buy them. Again, in Copenhagen, you can mm-hmm. buy it off the street right. to use marijuana. But we actually still have higher levels of usage with cocaine and marijuana than the seven other highest countries. And why that it's is. illegal here. Well, because we're self-medicating ourselves. I think that's a big part of it. Americans were four times more likely to report using cocaine in their lifetime than the next closest country, which was New Zealand. And we are at 16, 16% of the American population say that they have used cocaine throughout their lifetime. And the next number two on that list was New Zealand at 4%. Wow. So we Jeez. are considerably higher on cocaine usage than the rest of the world. Young males with high socioeconomic statuses were more likely to use illegal drugs, according to the University of South Wales in Australia. Uh, they did a very large international study of the legal and illegal drug use. So if you are a young male and you have access to money, you are oh. considerably higher to actually use illegal drugs. So bored and that, rich. I mean, bored, is... bored, yeah, there you go. <laughs> male and rich. Male and rich, yeah. Uh, technology, we've talked about this in other shows. You know, the use of our phones, our iPads, our computers, um, they help us emotionally zone out. Right, you talked about the That's fact right, that yeah. that irritates you more than anything when somebody's more interested in their phone than yep. you. you know, uh, you're you're sitting at a party and they're they're literally playing with their phone. And as a matter of fact, there are commercials now on TV talking about disconnecting from social media and all that. While oh you're yeah, the dinner. access. Yeah, the access. I saw that commercial the other day. The access that mom turned off the turned off the Wi-Fi from her phone. Yeah, and right. Shut everybody down. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. Um, but, you know, we talk about mindfulness and being present in the moment and that we live in the moment. Our life goes moment to moment. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. You have to be emotionally present in this moment mm-hmm. to live in this moment. And happiness isn't yesterday and happiness isn't tomorrow. Right? That's true. Uh, That's why they call is, today a present. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have to be happy today and you have to be present, emotionally present in the moment to do that. And you're not going to do that when you're living on your phone, your iPad, your computer, Um living somebody else's life on Facebook. That's right. And being um, alone while you're doing it. Right, exactly. You know, if we have to purposely check out 
um, by using our technology, it's you know it's no wonder why we're so unhappy, mm-hmm. right? And again, those cyber stalkers, those people who just know everything about your life, but troll, and- but you never, <laughs> but you never have any actual any interaction with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a study investigating the relationship between cell phone use, uh, academic academic performance, anxiety, and satisfaction with life in college students found that increased cell phone use. Uh, may negatively impact academic performance uh, and mental health and um, being subject to well-being or happiness. That totally makes sense. The more you use your cell phone, they found that it it negatively impacted your academic performance. Again, I think it makes sense because then you get lost in it. Next thing you know, six hours have gone by. I mean, I got to tell you, I've been there. I, I would YouTube something. Next thing I know, I look up and I've spent three hours looking at YouTube videos. So, yes. Well, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing if you if you do it in moderation, mm-hmm. you know, because technology, you we can use technology to recharge. Right. Right. You know, sometimes you do need to just veg out in front of the TV. That's not living there. Right. Right. That's true. I mean, sometimes we just need a break. You know, I think we're more aware of that. You know, I'm, I'm a bit more aware of not taking my phone in or turning my phone off and being present right then than, than I was probably six months ago. Well, and I think that that came from a, an error where we thought we could multitask like that. We thought we could have a conversation with you while texting five other people and now we just, it comes off as rude. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still pretty bad at it, but I've, I've tried to get better. Going on to a new thing that's coming about is the minimalist movement, right? Oh, yeah, your tiny houses and stuff. Your tiny houses, which I got to yeah. tell you, I think it's kind of cool. But Well, I think it's interesting. There, There's actually been a, I looked that up because you brought that up the other day. Well, what is, is that kind of contributing to people buying the mini houses yeah. or the tiny houses? I found that, that Americans spend... $380 billion a year on clothes, shoes, cars, gadgets, and odds and ends stuff. Um, and to pay for it all, we work long hours and we buy big houses to store it in. I don't think that the problem is how much stuff that we have, but the meaning that we assign to that stuff, okay. right? Do we neglect our health to acquire stuff? Do we prioritize possessions or positions over personal relationships? I think there's levels of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, are, Definitely. We, are we following our passions or just asking to be, you know, the movie, you know, just show me the money? It definitely sums it all up like that. Minimalism is any design or style in which the simplest or fewest elements are used to create the maximum effect. That's the definition of minimalism. But the simplest and the fewest can be very subjective. Right. I think. You know, some, you know, somebody, I, I could never live in one of those tiny houses not full-time, but I've lived months in my motorhome. That's true, yeah. So I guess it's just a matter of perspective. Well, and I think that that's the difference is because you know that... I can go home. Yeah, you can go home. (laughs) So, And see, for me, I think when I've talked about it with other people, one of the things that they bring up is like, oh my gosh, you know, why don't you just live in a tent? Well, I think your your mind shift is you're thinking that you're not going to have food, water, shelter. That's not what it means. Right, you know... Do we, but do we use our possessions to contribute beyond ourselves? I think that's some one of the things we've talked about in many shows. That mm-hmm. if you if you don't feel like you're helping other people, you have a level of unhappiness I because agree with that, happiness yes. we get happiness from giving to others. Yep, I agree with that. I think that's just a natural state. I think you can find a lot of happiness in that alone. And again, it's not really about how much stuff you have, I think, for people, it's how you prioritize it, right? Mm-hmm. What, what value you put on having stuff does it matter because right. some people does you know some people have a lot of stuff and if they lost all that stuff 
their life would be just fine. Some people, you know, lose a pen and they have a breakdown. Right. Right. Um, and I think that that comes, you've seen that pe- or people do that all the time. I knew a lady that used to buy brand new clothing, beautiful clothing, right? And she would end up giving it away with the price tag still left on them because she never touched it. Yeah. And I think that's very common because we want, right? We want, we want, we want. Then we get it. We don't want it anymore. Right. We talked about that. You know, I think that the less that you have to lose makes staying in the present moment easier. Again, if you're not fearful of losing it because you don't have it, you're going to be able to be happier in the moment. It it also means that means you know, less debt, right. more financial freedom, you know, less stress around your finances. That's a huge one, right? And that's the number one reason for divorce is finances. Right. right? And this is so, the other thing too, is if you do have a lot <laughs> less than that, then you can spend more time on the things that you really want to do. Right. And then more money on the things you want to Absolutely. do. You know, that's, a, that's what people don't, if, if you're drowning in financial debt, sit down at one point and figure out how much interest you're paying every month. Right. Whether it be credit card, house, all those, you know, you're paying a huge percentage every month of your income on someone owning your stuff right just an interest well and i think it's one thing if you pay cash but it's another most people don't pay cash most people put it on a credit card or they get it on two percent interest or whatever Right. But I think that that's one of the things that most people don't know what to do after they're there. So, and again, we've addressed that in our finance. So, I mean, most banks have people that could, you know, help you. So you got to realize it first. Yeah. You got to realize it first. I think people would be surprised if they tallied up how much they spend in interest every month. They could, they could, they could have all kinds of things if they put that money towards it. Right. Back to the minimalist, right? In your question, Mm -hmm. you have, you have more time, you have, you need less money so the, this minimalist thing tend to, they tend to work less hours, they have less to lose, and they also have less responsibility. So I don't have any idea, how, you know, how Well, many, look at their house. It takes them less time to clean it, so. I don't have any idea how much time that I spend just on yard work every year. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. You know, when you live on an acre, it's, <laughs> it's a lot, there's a lot of yard work to do. So if, you know, you have a tiny house with no yard, uh, you know, people who live in condos, right? And different right. things, they have a lot less, they have a lot less stress because everything's taken care of for Well, them. and I think that there's something to that because, again, one of the things that they always talked about when you had one of these little houses is you really have to think about what you're bringing into it. Most of them had like a couple of plates, a couple of this, a right. couple of that. And I mean, look at it. I bet you if we go into your cabinet, my cabinet, <laughs> we have 60 plates that oh, most of yes. them have never been used. Well, I have my grandmother's, you know, china that you can't ever touch. Touch, right. I have Christmas plates that you use one day a year. Or not, that never not even come plates, out. Right? Yeah. Yeah, everything, right? I mm-hmm. got the cups, the saucers, the plates, the big plates, the little plates. Uh, oh, God, yeah. yeah. My, it's ridiculous of, of what I have when it comes to <laughs> um, And, you know, you don't need most of those things, right? I don't. I, I use it once a year if I even use it once a year. That's I don't right. need it. But, you know, if I lost that, somebody came uh, out and said, I, I just took all your Christmas dishes. It's just past <laughs> Christmas. So it'd probably be, you know, 12 months from now before I even figured out the right. Christmas dishes were gone. But, you know, long-term happiness is found in, you know, relationships, life purpose, growth, being mm-hmm. being engaged with other people. And giving. Um, and giving. Yeah. You know, I think that's... I think most people know that. I think it's just really hard to necessarily get to that point. But, you know, moving into the state of happiness out of out of being unhappy, mm-hmm. I think is very subjective, right? And again, the amount of stuff that someone feels that they need versus what they want is so drastically different for people. So oh, yeah. I think you can't, this is something you really can't compare yourself with other people. Well, I think, and, and I, you know, I think part of it too is that, you know, getting off Facebook 
You're not all the time. Right. But, you know, I know a lot of people that have restricted themselves to once a day, right? They just go on mm-hmm. Facebook once a day. You know, I, I do that. It's on my phone, so I do that more than that. But but I think one of the big things is redefining our expectations. I, that would be now, a huge I think one. that is the biggest one. Right. And getting, you know, getting rid of some of our stuff, slowing down, and f- figuring out for ourselves how much is enough. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying is if you're perfectly happy where you're at and you have this large home, there's nothing wrong with that. What right. we're saying is is that if, in fact, you have all this stuff, but you're not happy. It's time to start thinking about redefining that. Right. Think about that's the key. Yeah, your expectations of what you want. I mean, right. for me, it's really it's about getting out in nature. I love camping. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you know, we only have a little 17 foot camper. It's just more than enough that we need for the whole weekend. Now, granted. I'd like to have a little bit bigger one. I mean, I admit. <laughs> but you, you like coming over and watching my TV. That's right. <laughs> With the satellite. <laughs> but, I mean, again, it's just, it, it gets you out there. You know, you're in the moment. But it's fine for us. Right. You know, we did a whole show on self-care, right? right? And I think you and I really have talked a lot about that since that show of identifying what those things are that we really need in our life to stay connected mm-hmm. stay and stay present, right? Those things that you, that you need to do. And I, I think we'll challenge people to go back and listen to that show too and, and put together a list. Again, nature for us, riding our bike, yep. going out and hiking in the woods. And those are things Smelling that... Smelling air. Right. Those are things that we really need to stay connected and be present. And, and we know that. And so we, t- you know, sauna. We have oh, our yeah. sauna time, mm-hmm. right? You know, we, literally, I can be in a terrible mood. I go sit in my sauna for you know half an hour, and I come back, and the world is a, is a whole shiny place that it wasn't a half an hour ago. <laughs> so you need to really find those things that work for you on your self care, because I, but I think people are really afraid that they they don't want to stop long enough to figure out what those things are, because life's going to hit up upside the head if they do. Oh, so they're you know, so they're you, trying to get in front of it. You oh, know, I think, so, and I think people have gotten to a point where they're so financially saturated. Mm-hmm. That it, you can't take time off. You can't get rid of this job that you hate and go to something that you really want right. to do because you, you have to make this money. Because life is a lion Right. You can't even you. take vacation because then you don't get your overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, oh, we get ourselves yeah. in so many mm-hmm. messes. Um, and we feel like we're going to miss out on something. Right? You know, again, that uh, if, if, I, if I don't have this or I don't have that or if I don't get that new car, if I don't, I'm not going to feel as good. That's a um, good point because, we, like you said, we're always living in the future. So... We'll feel better when we get whatever X is. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. That when never happens, people. Yep. That when never happens. You know, but it's interesting that if you're a person that your mind wanders, um, there's an 85% chance that you're subconsciously unhappy with your life if if you're a daydreamer. Really? Yeah, don't tell the Pisces of the world that. That's, that's going to be really that's depressing kinda, for really them. really interesting. People tend to value memories more than they value people. Sometimes huh. the memory is what you miss, not the actual person, which is kind of interesting. And I think that's true with possessions, too. I mean, yes. not just people, but possessions as well. Yep, I agree. I think that, I think this is really interesting how they've conducted studies on this. And if they've conducted studies on this, that means that there's a reason. That and not just some small studies, and not just the U.S. The, right. These were studies that were done all over all the over world. All over the world. And, again, your top 10 happiest places in the world. It's not about money. Like, Mm -hmm. well, if I just made $40 an hour, I'd be happier. Well, you know what? People in Scandinavian countries are paying 50% of their income into taxes. Right. And And so they have a 20, in in Norway, you have a 25% less buying power than you have in the United States. 
It's not about money. It's not about money. It never is about money. So, well, Christy, I got to say, I'm a little bit happier than what I once was. So when we started the show. (laughs) That's a good thing. So speaking of happiness, you got any final thoughts for us? Well, I think the big things in research that are making us as Americans unhappy are expectations. You know, we live in fear of losing tomorrow what we have today so much that we don't enjoy the present that we have that is today. You know, our lives go from moment to moment. So living in fear of something that's going to happen tomorrow, we lose the gift of the moment of today. We think that when we make enough money, when we pay off our house, when we get whatever it is that out there in that someplace, someday, that that is going to make us happy. You know, we spend our today wanting to be happy tomorrow, and that tomorrow never comes. Then we're drowning in work and debt and keeping up with our friends and social media, letting us see all of those things that our friends have that we don't and comparing our blooper reel with their highlight reel. So we've really got to slow down and get perspective. You know, with only 33% of Americans that are listing themselves as being happy, you know, we work too much, we worry too much, we self-medicate too much, whether that be legal or illegal drugs, again, working too much, spending too much money, spending too much time on social media, eating too much, whatever your thing is to check out, we master it. So, and listen carefully, to this. I want everybody to hear this. Children ages 5 to 12 years old. Yes, I said 5 years old. One commits suicide every four days here in the United States. Just think about that. We have five-year-olds committing suicide and teen suicide is up 30% since 2007. You know, happiness is contagious. Unhappiness is contagious. We have got to find a way to do it better and model how to stay in the present and find ways to be happy. You know, we listed the top 10 countries that are the happiest, you know, Denmark, Norway, Switzerland. They prioritize family, community, they get outside, they walk, they bike in nature. You know, whatever it is that's gonna help you to become more connected to your family and your friends, we've got to take baby steps, right? Baby steps to get a greater sense of purpose and self-worth. Because those are the things that are going to swing us from unhappy to a happier place. It's not about money, having it or not having it. It's about relationships and believing that we matter to those around us. And if you're unhappy because you fear what you could lose tomorrow, start downsizing. Well said. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com. Or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Or look us up on Facebook and give us a like. And let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.